You're listening to From the Beginning. I'm Griffin Caprio. And I'm Jen Dudley. And this is our podcast talking to other podcasters about how they got started and why they talk about what they do. In this episode, we're speaking with Paco Garcia Hayen, founder and host of the GMS podcast, joining us all the way from Valencia, Spain. And Paco is actually a former coworker of mine. We hadn't spoken in years, but I have to say he's definitely a memorable character and I was really looking forward to this interview. And it was really like no time had passed. In fact, in the first 10 minutes before we started recording, he had told us about an upcoming festival in March and invited us to Spain. And I know, Griffin, this was an interview that you were geeking out about a little bit before we even jumped on the call. Was it what you expected? I thought it was great. It was especially interesting to hear how Paco is trying to bring a diverse set of voices and opinions into an industry gaming uh, that I think is sorely needed. And I'm excited to see where Paco takes his podcast from here. So sit back and relax and enjoy Paco's story from the beginning. I just wanted to welcome Paco Garcia Hayan to the From the Beginning podcast. Paco is the founder and host of the GMS Magazine podcast. And he's joining us today all the way from Valencia. Welcome, Paco. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you very much for, for having me and for inviting me to, to be here. It's, um, it's really an honor and a pleasure. Thank you. You're very welcome. Uh, the first thing that we like to do, Paco, is get a good understanding of uh, what you're currently doing today, both for uh, your main line of work as well as the podcast that you're currently running. Right. For my uh, main line of work right now, I'm establishing a small role-playing games publishing company in, in Spain. And um, I'm trying to do both bringing indie, less well-known games that otherwise would go completely you know, unknown outside the English-speaking market. I'm trying to bring those in into Spain, but also try to find the, the talent that it's, it's to me, because I'm so familiar with it, pretty obvious it exists in, in my country, and, and export it outside into you know the United States, England, Canada, whatever, um, just just to spread the love and um, spread role playing games. That's that's what I spend most of my days doing right now. Well, that sounds like a uh, amazingly fun time. I have to tell you, I have been a closet RPG player for twenty years, twenty five years, ever since the early nineties. Well, um, please come out of the closet because playing in the closet is so uh, tight and it's hard and you cannot roll the dice properly and make friends. So do join us. Join us. Come. Come with us. Yes. No, I believe <laughs> I'm there with you. I, I, uh, I got my start back when uh, role-playing games were still um, you know, relegated to kind of like the fringe. And uh, my favorite memories are of uh, old Dungeons & Dragons games on the computer, mm. uh, those old gold box games. and. Uh, so definitely want to get back into it. I, uh, I'm kind of curious though, were you, were you always into role-playing or were you always into, um, into the tabletop games? Yes. Uh, well, always. That's, uh, that's a bit broad. I mean, of course, as children, we used to play board games uh, that in, in Spain was actually quite limited. So we used to play a lot of chess and for my sins, we used to play a lot of Monopoly, which I spice and and i found role-playing games uh by accident when a, a book on, on the dragonlands you know um arrived at my home unexpectedly and, and i just fell in love with the dungeons and dragons universe um however at the time 
there weren't all that many role-playing games published in, in Spain. And I didn't really have that much access to them until a few years later. And when I did, and I think I was about 17 years old, when, when I found the first uh, Lord of the Rings role-playing game in, in my town, I just fell in love with it. And it's, it's been my main hobby. Uh, since then, uh, I hope it will continue and, until I die. And I'm, I'm 45 now. And I'm hoping I'm not going to die until I'm 90 at least. So uh, a while to go yet. Where did the podcast come in? Well, uh, okay, <laughs> that that's a um, that's a bit of a funny story. I I started uh, firstly I started as a blog. Um, the GMS magazine was was a blog where I wanted to just talk about you know do reviews of the books I was reading, the games I was playing, and the things I thought about gaming. And uh, podcasting was becoming uh, among the the, the RPGers and board gamers it was becoming something very popular. There were some some podcasts, uh, you know, like the Spiel or Dice Tower that were becoming really popular. And I I heard a podcast. Uh, doing some interviews to some game designers. And um, I, this is going to sound really snobby, so forgive me, but I just thought, God, that's awful. I, that's a really bad interview. The, my goodness, this is nothing to do with the game or the game designer. This is all to do about the interviewer. I can do better than this. I can do a lot better than this. So I thought, okay, I'm going to try. I'm, I'm, I'm going to record a couple of episodes just for myself. Um, because I luckily I know a number of people in, within the industry. I thought, I'm going to try and see what happens. And I had a blast. I really had a blast recording the podcast, talking to these people about their games, what they want to do with them, what they expect. It was wonderful. It was absolutely fantastic. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and I thought, I want to keep doing this. And um, it, it continued and it snowballed. Um, I started doing a podcast a month. Uh, three months later, I was doing two. A couple of months later, I was doing one podcast a week. Then I decided to, I wanted to do something with board games. Uh, eventually, I ended up doing about four podcast episodes every week, um, which was way, way too busy. I cannot even imagine <laughs> doing that. That you're you're impressive and uh, pretty amazing. Do you find yourself um, do you find yourself kind of bringing back things to your your gaming experience uh, that the podcast kind of enhances, or like how do those two interplay? They they both interplay. Um, I am extremely blessed with the number of people within the RPG industry that. I know because they are absolutely wonderful people. And I, when I talk to these people, it's very easy for me to communicate. And I don't just mean talking and asking questions, but actually understanding what they're talking about, where they're coming from, and they understand me. So when we talk about gaming, it's very simple. It's very easy for me to share my experiences very honestly and very openly, which means that they can offer me their advice, their own experiences. So it's, it's a constant learning opportunity to how did you do this? You know, well, I have this done because I wanted my game to work in this direction, work in such and such. Okay, how do you do that? This way, this way, this way. Oh, I did this in this other game. Yeah, that's how it works. And the whole thing just becomes a really cool geeky conversation between two geeks who love what they do and what they play. So Paco, do you have a Spanish language version of your podcast as well? 
Uh, yes and no. Uh, kind of. I have a Spanish version of the podcast, but it's completely different because in, in Spain, uh, we have a few writers, we have a few companies, we have a few artists, but in general, it's not large enough. Also, um, the podcast I decided to do in, in Spain is more to do with uh, social justice within the RPG industry. Uh, we talk about things like feminism within role-playing games, uh, homophobia, when, a, uh, when an RPG has missed the mark on diversity, uh, how to run your games in a, in a way that will be non-threatening for people from minorities. That sort of topics is what we actually cover. So... Although, yes, it is to do with role-playing games. It isn't really anything to do with the games themselves, but with the industry, with the community, and with the experience as a whole. Okay, um, that makes a lot of sense. You cover some of that in your English language uh, podcast as well. That was, yeah. I think, that was one of the things I was going to ask you. It seems in the GMS Magazine podcast, you had started maybe sort of like a sub-podcast for the Dear Some Straight Gamer Yes, absolutely yes. Um, that was inspired by, um, I haven't read the book, I'm sorry to say this, but it was inspired by the series, Dear White People, that I saw in Netflix, and I just absolutely fell in love with it. I thought it was so so witty, so funny, and yet so poignant. And as a gay man myself, I have uh, experienced an awful lot of uh, both blatant and internalized homophobia within the community, which is quite surprising because it tends to be a very open, very welcoming community. But I feel that it is, as long as you don't show, you don't tell people that you're gay and you don't want to see yourself represented in your games, people are happy to have you around. But as soon as you say, hey, why is that innkeeper married to a woman? Why can't he be married to a man? Why can't I have a trans character within a medieval fantasy genre game? Uh, you know, wh why those things? And the response can be quite vitriolic. Uh, there is a large, large number of people in pretty much any country that have very little experience with uh, being and uh, talking openly about LGBTQI plus issues. So I thought I wanted to have a, a short concise podcast and video, this, that uh, comes in both formats. Uh, I don't want to chastise you. I don't want to think that you're an idiot, that you're a bigoted, churlish moron. I want to believe that you're a good person who just doesn't know me well enough. And I want to show you, I want to tell you what these things are like from my point of view and start to talk and start to debate. debate. That, that's, that's where that came from. So was that one of your original goals uh, for the podcast, was to kind of uh, highlight and surface that discussion in the overall gaming community? Or was that just um, kind of part of the zeitgeist of society, um, kind of bringing that to the forefront? That, that evolved. I must admit, my, uh, my main goal with the podcast was simply to, to reach out to designers and just have cool conversations and, and talk about the things that I love, which, which is gaming. But in time when you begin to socialize, especially with social media, let, let's not forget that when I started in 2010, uh, Facebook was still very young and still is very young. It was a lot younger and we, we knew even less how to communicate through social media. So I, I decided that little by little, I wanted to start to talk about feminism 
uh, which is a topic that to me is very important as well. Um, and I wanted to talk about gay issues because I didn't want to feel that I cannot just go out there and be myself. I don't want to feel that I have to be in some sort of uh, geeky closet just because people don't want to see me out there. It's, it's unfair to me, it's unfair to the industry, and it's unfair to the community. So I thought, you know what, this is my platform. This is my voice. This is me. And you're either going to take me as I am, or you're going to have to find another podcast to listen to. I think that's so that idea of owning your voice and sharing it is one of the things that I know I really enjoy about podcasting as a medium, because you're not only getting to hear those, uh, uh, experience those voices and those stories, but literally hearing them uh, in a, what is a really intimate medium, and um, which I think is awesome. I, I agree. I, I completely agree. Um, I think uh, podcasting has a number of advantages over other kind of mediums for communication. Uh, it has the advantage of having your, your voice, your tone, your pitch, your speed, your passion that can be shown. Uh, writing media is more prone to uh, misinterpretation, whether your voice is a lot less. And it doesn't have the pressure of having your face on screen like vlogging does. Now, I personally, uh, I was born without any kind of shame, so I don't have an issue with it. But I can understand that some people don't like it. So having a, a very sweet spot between the two of them, where you can actually feel free to say what you want to say, the way you want to say it, and not having the pressure of having to perform for the camera, just, you know, you're just there. No one else is, is listening to you unless you want to. That is, uh, I think that's absolutely fantastic. So have you found, um, you have you have multiple channels for GMS Magazine. Uh, you've yes. mentioned uh, the vlogging. Um, what what are all the channels that you have going currently? Oh my God. <laughs> now you put me in the spot. Okay. I have um, the GMS Magazine channel. That's the main channel where I talk about board games and role-playing games. Uh, I have the same thing in, in Spanish. I have a, a, an RPG only um, channel for, for the Spanish audience and a board game only channel for the Spanish audience. And then I have the uh, Dear White, uh, sorry, Dear Some Straight Gamer um, as well separated. Um, and then podcasting wise, I only have one channel. All my podcasts uh, go onto one feed. But within that feed, I have different uh, type of shows. So I have the RPG room where I talk about RPG issues, the RPG interview room, which is self-explanatory, and then uh, the Dear Some Straight Gamer and the board game interview room as well. So um, I, I do a number of, of shows that I distribute among some YouTube channels and then one single podcasting channel with different shows in different formats. Is there a reason you decided to do the different podcasts in the same RSS? Price, yes. Um, uh, hosting podcasts, unfortunately, is not as easy and free as YouTube. Um, it's, it's more often than if you want some of the features and you want some of the storage, you have to pay for it. Now, um, I use Podbean as a platform. I've always found them quite reliable. Uh, and price-wise, they are okay. But in order to have several RSSs, then you have to pay a lot more money. And because I don't monetize my podcasts, uh, it would make it completely unfeasible for me to pay that 
the amount. That makes sense. And so what do you think, you know, as, as the number of podcasts and the number of channels begin to increase and the frequency begins to increase, what are your overall goals for um, the, the podcast? And, and, and I guess at this point, your, your media empire um, you <laughs> talked about not monetizing. Um, is that kind of a direction that you want to go to in the, in the future? Well, um, kind of yes and no. Um, all right. My goals are very flexible. To be honest, I don't think I have a goal um, because I did have a goal at the very beginning and it burned me out. It completely and utterly burned me out. Um, I was working, doing way, way too many podcasts uh, to the point of doing pretty much nothing else. You know, I, I used to leave work, arrive home, record a podcast, edit a podcast, publish a podcast, go to bed. And it was only the weekends I had to spend with my other half, my husband. So I decided, you know, I'm doing this for free. I don't want this to be any obligation that I don't feel I want to take over at any given time. Um, because then stress sets in, depression sets in, and it's just not worth it. It stops being fun. So my goal with the podcast is I want to do whatever I want when I want it, for as long as I want it, in the format I want. And people can choose to listen to it or not. And I know that this will not be very attractive to some people, but it's the formula that's working for me. You know, for example, uh, I've been in college uh, since February until June, and I haven't had really that much of a chance to publish and record many podcasts because I, I, I didn't have the time. I love not feeling the pressure to have to record. And if I have to stop for four or five months, then that's cool. That's, that's okay. I will come back to it. And if I get a hundred listeners, great. If I get a thousand listeners, great. If I have a million listeners, great. But the number of listeners I have is not what's motivating me to record the, the podcast. It's, it's, to me, that's just irrelevant. So my goal is to keep doing it as and when I want to, because I want to. Which is amazing um, to just have have that space to talk about something you love, and I can absolutely appreciate the uh, desire for flexibility and doing things as and when you want. Um, it's certainly uh, why I went the entrepreneurial route. So, well, the thing is also, uh, and I'm going to be very honest in here. I would I would love to make money out of my podcast, um, but I have two massive massive obstacles. Uh, one. I don't think I'm talented enough to be able to produce a show worthy of, of getting some money. You know, I, I don't have the wizardry. I, I just can't be bothered to spend days editing a podcast. I just, it's not my thing. I just want to get my voice and, and the voice of the people I interview, especially theirs, uh, out there. And secondly, the RPG industry, the gaming industry is is quite small and we have an issue and is the most people within that industry really don't want to pay for these sort of uh, services. It's very hard to find people who um, want to pay for this. You know, so for example, a, a, a gigantically successful and rightly so podcast with, within the board game industry is the Dice Tower. Uh, Tom Vassell and his team do an absolutely incredible job out of it and he makes a very very nice living out of it now that man is playing games recording podcasts and recording videos every single hour of the day i mean i cannot imagine 
how much work he does. It's insane, insane. Good for him. I'm really proud of what he does. I cannot see myself doing that. I, I just can't. If that is the amount of effort I have to put to make a living out of podcasting, then making a living out of podcasting is not for me. Yeah, I, I mean, I can see as soon as it's too much or stops being fun, uh, part of the draw and part of the, the passion uh, kind of loses its, its, its appeal. So I can definitely, Absolutely. definitely understand that. And don't get me wrong, if, if I was making $100,000 a year, then I would be able to say, right, okay, I'm not going to do anything else. I don't have to work about anything else. I'm just going to record. And if I don't like it some days, well, suck it up. Get on with it because that's your job. But I'm not going to make that amount of money, so I'm just going to have fun with it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the, that's the point of view you have to take. And uh, I'm pretty confident, and I think Jen shares my opinion, that you know, if you do what you love, the, the money will come. Like the money will be something that you know is is going to provide for you. It's just you can't replace one with the other. True, very it's, true. So you mentioned that the gaming community is is pretty small. Do you have any interaction with the uh, the gaming companies and the and the people that are actually creating the games because of your following? Yes, constantly, constantly. That that's the that's the thing I like to do. Um, uh, I mean, the way I operate is I see I don't know, a Kickstarter and I see something cool and I say, okay, I want to find out more about this. Now I could uh, buy the book, or I could go out there and read interviews or read about this person, or I could just send them an email and say, hey, um, I would like to talk to you about this. Would you like to come to the show? Look, this is what I do. This is uh, you can listen to a couple of episodes and let me know what you think. Uh, more often than not, uh, I think I've only had three refusals. They come, uh, and once they come. Um, what I tend to do is to try, you know, is it okay to join you in Facebook? Uh, you know, is, is your, your Facebook community, your online media community um, open enough? Are you okay to include me? Um, and if they say yes, which more often than not they do, uh, I, I do, I am very active within the Facebook and Google Plus community. I used to be very active in Twitter. Now it's a little bit more time consuming, so I don't. But in Facebook, yes. In fact, uh, I think I have about just under 2,000 uh, friends in, in Facebook, uh, I would say 80% of them are people within the role-playing game and board gaming industry. So that's a great segue into the your listeners or fans of all of your channels. Which of them do you have interaction with your the, the fans or listeners? Um, and which is, do you find to be the most successful? Um, well, in my case, Facebook is the most successful. Um, YouTube sometimes produces very good results. And also, a, um, I publish pretty much every video I record, especially board game videos. I publish them as well in the Board Game Geek, uh, which is a very specialized online community. And there I also get some, some very good responses. But more often than not, it's within Facebook groups that I, I interact with people who listen. Uh, sometimes people email me, uh, and then I email back. Um, um, but usually Facebook, I would say that amounts for about 60 to 70% of my uh, contact with, with listeners and viewers. So, you know, as you, um, as you kind of dive into the different mediums like Facebook and, and other things, um, do you ever see yourself um, moving into the actual game creation? Like, do you ever think about going into that side of the business? 
Well, yes, I, I did. That, that's why I created my um, my publishing company. Um, you know, because I I just thought, uh, Paco, well, a friend of mine said at some point, you know, Paco, you know a lot about this. Why why don't you bring some games? You know, you you you've been a graphic designer and you've been an art director. You know about you know layout. You know about the printing process. You know about publishing books, and you're very passionate. You can identify good games. Why why don't you do it? Uh, I thought, okay, yeah. Fine, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try. Why not? You know, what, what have I got to lose? And I, I licensed a small book, uh, and I published it, and I loved, loved the process. And I thought, yeah, this is what I want to die doing. Was Was there anything in particular that you loved about the process? Um, everything. I, I don't know. It's 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 weird. It's it's like, um, how how to say this imagine i i love i love cooking okay i'm i'm very very much a foodie um imagine you go to this um new country you've never been to and and you have an absolutely fantastic meal you know some really stunning food that you've never tasted before and and you go back home and you think i want people to try this i really want people to, to taste what I've tasted, experience what I've experienced. So I'm going to learn to cook this. And then I'm going to cook it. And I'm going to give it to people. And I'm going to see what they have to say. It's that kind of process, you know, where you, you investigate, you, you try, you learn, you refine, you put out there, you see the results, you, you get feedback, some good, some bad, some people like it, some people don't like it. And at the end, you end up with something that you can look back, be proud of and say, I, I did that. Uh, this, this is me. I, I've done this and I want to do it again. It's, this is amazing. It's the whole process. It's, it's just fantastic. So what is next then for you? Um, oh, <laughs> right. Next, uh, I need to come back into podcasting uh, because now I'm starting to miss it. Um, so coming back to doing my interviews is, is going to be a priority, uh, which will probably get kickstarted back in in the next week uh, i'm doing a series of uh, quick videos um i'm doing something that people would find at least in my country uh, very bizarre and it's that i found this uh, little stabilizing machine that allows you to put your phone and walk about with it without too much shaking so i'm literally going out in the street uh, and talking to my phone in front of people uh, I'm talking about geeky subjects uh, and topics and people look at me weird thinking I want to stay away from this guy while I'm doing this. And I'm having a blast doing, doing those videos. So I, I have a few licenses that I want to publish in Spain. I have a couple of books that I'm publishing in, in the United States, one that I'm waiting to get the license for so I can get on with it. Uh, I don't know. I just want to, my next step is get back to it, get a kick in my own ass and, do some cool stuff that hopefully somebody will enjoy. Yeah, I think that's all any any of us can hope for is just you know build stuff for people that uh, that they're going to enjoy and, and you know do stuff that we love along the way. And, and you know, I think um, this is something that, from my limited and, and humble experience within podcasting and, and, and vlogging, this is something that I reckon is the main thing people should keep in mind. Um, you know, just, just do it because you want to. Just do it because you enjoy it. Do it about the things that you enjoy. Don't, don't ever feel that there is stress 
to do it. And please don't ever, ever let anybody's opinion, negative as it might be, get in the way of you doing what you love, because then it's just not good fun and it's not fair. Which is phenomenal advice, I think. There's so much uh, commentary and opinion about everything, especially in any social medium. And having that uh, reminder that there will always be somebody who will have a negative opinion uh, and you can just choose not to listen. Absolutely. I mean, admittedly, one has to develop a fairly thick skin if if you're going to be listened by a lot of people. That's that's just the truth. Um, because as soon as you say something that somebody's uh, in, in disagreement with, uh, don't get me wrong, the majority of the people are all right and, and they're okay. But there will be a very noisy minority who may try to ruin it because they don't want to, they don't, they want to silence your voice. Uh, and you have to develop a thick skin about that. It, there, there's no question about that. And uh, I don't know if uh, swearing is allowed in your show, but people have to learn not to give a fuck. You know, learn what you want to care about. And if you don't want to give two hoots about something, then don't. Don't feel that you have to listen to everything uh, because otherwise it's, it's just, it can be hell, um, and that's not cool. Yeah, I think from an early age, um, my father used to tell me to ignore the booze because they usually come from the cheap seats. Correct. So, um, well, Paco, this has been a great talk, and I really enjoyed you know hearing more about uh, what you're doing uh, with the gaming community, and, and uh, especially focusing on, on surfacing a lot more conversations that are otherwise not uh, happening. If somebody wants to get involved uh, and or reach out to you, what's the best place to do that? Well, you can always get hold of me in, in social media. I mean, Facebook, um, I'm there way, way too long, way too many times a day. Uh, so you can find me there, Paco Jaén, and I'm, I'm always welcoming of people, um, you know, that's just welcome to my family. Uh, reach me, email uh, is podcast at gmsmagazine.com. I am on Twitter as well, at gmsmagazine, and uh, you can find me on Google Plus using my name as well. So any of those um, means to get hold of me, uh, yes, please, 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 please say, say hi. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, whoever you are. Absolutely. And we'll make sure that all those links and more are, are in the show notes. And uh, I have to say, I, I'm pretty sure Griffin and I are already planning our trip to Valencia for next March and would love to continue the conversation in person and hear about uh, where you've gotten both with the publishing and with the podcast. You know what? When you come, um, and, and that's a wang, so you cannot get away from it now. Uh, I'm, I'm already going to lay the bed for you here so you can stay at, at my place and, and, and have a great time. Uh, we're going to do this show live from, from my studio uh, and we're going to have an absolutely amazing time. I can't wait. <laughs> but do, you, do you think you can make time to play some role-playing games? Uh, hell yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Paco, this has been phenomenal. I, I really appreciate you coming on and it was great learning more about you. And Jen and I really appreciate the, uh, the time you're giving us today. It's a pleasure. I think it's absolutely what you guys are going to do is absolutely fantastic. I think to, to give uh, to, to create a platform about podcasting for podcasters uh, is, is absolutely brilliant because it's, it's very hard sometimes to know where you stand, where you are, who is out there, who to reach, who to contact, how, what help to get. 
uh, and to feel there is somebody who can actually help us develop and, and get us services. I think that's absolutely a wonderful, wonderful idea. So I'm looking forward to seeing and hearing great stuff from, from you two, seriously. Well, we appreciate that. And we'll, we'll try not to let you down. This has been another episode of From the Beginning. Editing and theme music was provided by Roy Matz. Thank you for listening.